we are in this series in Inventum, and I want to start by um, just kind of refreshing where we've been, but by, by asking a question, um, and we've been, um, or, or, or maybe revealing something about, about our, our household, and maybe the question is, is your house at all like mine? I, I kind of think as we go around to different places, different homes, there's times where we get in other people's homes and we sort of feel like, you know, we have four kids, uh, and we sort of feel like we need to, you know, put our kids in like handcuffs or something, like everything's perfect and, you know, nothing should be touched. We don't have that kind of house. Um, our, our house is somewhat of a, a three-ring circus most days. Um, and there's, there's something that happens at our house when we tell the kids it's time to clean up, okay? It happens almost every time, okay? We, we say, come on, we got to get things cleaned up, we got to this, and they almost always ask the same question, and maybe your kids are in your house, or maybe when you were a kid, you asked the same question, who's coming over, okay? <laughs> Why are we cleaning? Who's coming over? Um, this is a regular thing, and so I actually, um, this, is a, this is a little embarrassing, okay? Um, but I actually have something here. Um, this is, you're, some of you are going to find this really gross. But I, it's all right, okay? I pulled this. Okay? I know, it's, it's sad. I pulled this out of my vehicle this morning. Okay? It's just confession, here I am. Okay, laid bare before you. Um, at 8.30 this morning, I pulled this out. I, there's magazines, there's lots of water bottles, books, a pair of dirty socks. Like, I don't know how that's even there. Um, again, I, 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 now, this is not, I want you to, this is not my preferred way of life, okay? Like, I don't sit out and go like, yeah, no big deal, but it just kind of happens over time. Our kids are involved in stuff. We're busy. Apparently, someone was eating bacon in the car. Like, I don't, how did, I don't know when. I don't know how, but there it was, okay? Um, I wash my hands. You can feel it. Like, if you need to shake my hand after, it's, it's all cleaned up now, okay? But, but I, I, I share this um, as a way, too, of just sort of saying... What we've been doing around here, and if you're, if you're with us today, A, yes, I'm a slob, but B, okay, we're, we're, we're in this series of Adventum. We're, we're asking one another to go on a journey, to, to travel somewhere, to, to allow God to move us in a particular place. And we believe, with everything that we've got, that that journey begins with something, and it begins with the heart, and so we've spent time the last couple weeks looking at some different things. And, and, and a couple weeks ago, we looked at the, the necessity in our hearts to repent and surrender over our lives to God. That, that if we're, if we're going to let God take us somewhere, that's the first step of the journey. And last week, we, we added to that the necessity, just the absolute importance of abiding in Christ to, to go where he is, to rest with him. We, we do that in, in ways like, like the scriptures and in community. But all that we've been doing with this is, in essence, we're trying to get the clutter out of our lives. We're trying to go through the car and get the clutter out because we're headed somewhere. And, and there's junk that's there. 
It's in our lives. It's in our souls. And it's, it is kind of like, it's the stuff that, let's be honest, like I'm kind of embarrassed, not embarrassed enough to not show you, but I don't, I don't want somebody, if, when, <laughs> I don't give people rides, okay? Because it's just sad. But we're, we want to get to a place, all of us, we want to get to a place where this stuff is out of the way, okay? It's out of the way so that we can connect our hearts with God in ways that are, it's attractive to others, that they want to get in the car with us and go where we're headed. You see, Adventum isn't going to just end with us in our hearts. It begins there, but it doesn't stop there. It's going to move on to other areas of our life and our community. And we want to be a vessel, we want to be a vehicle that's, that's set up in such a way that others want to come along with us. And that we are connected to God. And there isn't the, the junk isn't in the way. It isn't spilling over everywhere so that, so that we can't really connect with him. And so that's sort of what we're doing. We're starting with our hearts. And we're going to move forward into other areas of life. But we're starting here intentionally to get rid of the, the junk, to get rid of the clutter. If you've got a Bible... Um, we're going to look at, be in two passages today, um, John chapter 14, and we'll look at another little section in 16. If you have a Bible and you want to turn to John 14, and, and maybe kind of keep a finger there, we're going to wind up in Matthew 6 for a little bit longer of our time, but we're going to start in John 14. In John chapter 14, and, and these sections, last week we, did, we used John 15, and this section, John 14, 15, 16, the, the surrounding chapters, these are... This is the last instructions Jesus gave to his followers before his, his arrest and trials and crucifixion um, and subsequent resurrection. But in this section, um, Jesus introduces something. He introduces something. And we're just going to look at a few little, a select little places here to, to get a, a, um, a grasp on what Jesus is doing before we, before we turn our attention to Matthew 6. But if you've got John chapter 14 open, and, and I've got it up here for those that don't have a Bible with them. But verse 16 says this. John chapter 14, verse 16 says, And I, I being Jesus here, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Right? Jesus is talking about, what we know as the Holy Spirit. He uses several different names here for the Spirit, the Helper, uh, the Spirit of Truth, okay? He refers to the Spirit in, in, with personal pronouns here, Him, right? These are, the, the Spirit of God is a person in the, in the Trinity, in the triune Godhead, the Spirit, but, but Jesus is going to introduce us to the Holy Spirit in these verses. And we see a few things here, right? It's the Spirit of Truth, the Spirit of Truth. So we, we find as Jesus is introducing us to the Holy Spirit, he's introducing us to this idea of, a, of one, a spirit who gives us truth, that truth comes from him and through him. He says the world cannot receive. Now, world is, is, a, is a, an umbrella word, an idea here for those who reject God, for a way of living that just, that just ignores God. And this is, a, this is interesting to me because the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, no, no, doesn't know the Spirit. 
And so we need to admit something. We're going to talk about the Spirit this morning, and we need to admit something about this. This is going to sound foreign to, to the world's way of thinking. The Spirit is mysterious. The Spirit is strange. When we talk about the Spirit of God, there's a, there, it, it's unnatural. In fact, we would say it's supernatural. And so much of what we have to say is going to run contrary to or counter to just sort of the, the wisdom of the world, the way the world operates. Right? He also says, though, and this is the, really to us, is, this is going to hit home with us. He says that last phrase, right? You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of God. For those who've, who followed Christ, the Spirit of God is internal. It's in us. You know, those voices that you hear, and we can reason away as it's just my, just my thoughts, it's just my brain. There's something about life with the Spirit that's internal in ways that if we look above, it's going to seem odd. It's going to seem different, foreign. But we're talking about the Holy Spirit. If you jump down a few verses to verse 25, Jesus goes on and says more about the Spirit. He said, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Look at the function of the Holy Spirit. What does the Spirit do? The, Father, the Spirit teaches all things and brings to remembrance all that Jesus said. The function of the Spirit is to help us abide in Christ, to bring all things to remembrance to help teach us things we don't currently understand. There's a supernatural aspect to our life with God as we draw near to him and the Spirit moves and speaks to us and teaches us. If it sounds odd, it, it is. It's not natural. It's not what we should expect unless we've been walking with the Spirit and we've become accustomed to it. If, you've got, if you're still in John, jump forward to chapter 16. Look at chapter 16, verse 13, this long section. And there's a, there's a lot of things in there, but we're just going to hit some highlights here before jumping into a further idea. So look at verse, chapter 16, verse 13. Jesus again says, When the Spirit of truth comes, we're still talking about the Holy Spirit, He will guide you into all truth, for He will speak on His own authority. So this is amazing too. The Spirit has... His own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak. Well, not speak on his own authority. Sorry, he speaks on the authority of the Father. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Here we are again, verse 14. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Do you catch this again? The purpose of the Spirit, the role of the Spirit, is to draw us nearer and nearer to Christ. Did you catch that last phrase? He will take what is mine, Jesus says, and declare it to you. There's, there's something that's going on in a, in a heart that's being readied, and we would, we would add this to our list from before in readying our heart. A ready heart is a heart that listens to the Spirit. Listens to the Spirit. Again, it may sound strange. It may sound strange. But it's, it is a necessary component to getting our lives into a place where we are deepening and growing and connecting with God. 
And before we move on to what we're going to do in the world, the way we want to live in community, the first steps that we're taking are trying to ready our hearts, ready our hearts, dealing with sin, drawing near to Christ, and listening to the Spirit. And it's where we find ourselves in this story. In, um, in 2001, <clears throat> my wife and I decided we needed to buy a house, okay? Um, we didn't have kids yet. We had a dog, whatever. But we decided we needed to buy a house. It seemed like the thing to do. And so we got in an awfully big hurry in, in, uh, in looking to buy a house. And, um, and that, that hurry was, um, was accelerated by something. The hurry was accelerated by the fact that, that we were in an apartment complex, and one of our neighbors um, had some really strange behaviors. Okay? Some of you have heard some of these stories, so bear with me. But he had some really strange behaviors. He, um, he decided that the best time to like, drive his remote control car up and down the sidewalks was about 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. So we would wake up startled, and we'd hear the outside of a remote control car going up and down outside our window. And, you know, we're watching, and this, this is odd, but he also had a tendency to just kind of walk around the complex, you know, talking to himself and yelling out things. We thought, this is also unusual behavior. Um, but but the, the kicker was, um, well, there were kind of two things with this. He had a little car, but the car was not registered anywhere, but he had it because he had a giant antenna on the car. And he would drive around the complex. He couldn't kind of take it outside the apartment complex because it wasn't really registered down plates. But he would drive around the complex with the radio on, the, like this giant antenna, not the radio playing music, but like a walkie-talkie radio. And, and he liked to like connect with people over his walkie-talkie, and so he'd drive around and talk in it. And um, my wife says to me, she says, Honey, I don't think he has any clothes on. And I said, Christy, you are, come on. Of course he has clothes on. And um, from, where, from where our apart, back apartment window was, we could see where he parked. And I said, come on, he's got to have clothes on. So he pulls up, gets in his parking spot. He did not have a shirt on. I can verify that. He opens the door and gets out of the car. And it was like a scene straight out of the movies, right? Like the car door sort of covered. So I'm going, no, 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 no. Come on, he's got shorts on or something. But then he reached back into the car and pulled out a pair of pants and put his pants on. And I thought, oh my gosh, like, what is happening? But even more than that, all that to say, okay, that I don't think that was even the strangest thing about this situation. Um... We came to find out that the antenna on his car was not his most powerful antenna. He had the kind of apartment where there was a ground-level door, but then it immediately you'd go in and it had stairs that went up. And he had this giant, oh, sorry, this giant antenna that went like all the way up those stairs, and he would pull it out and then like set it up in the lawn and get his radio thing out, and he would you know, communicate with people like in Fiji or whatever. I don't know who he was trying to talk to. Okay? But that antenna was so powerful and it was so close to our apartment that anything in our apartment that was plugged in to the electricity and to the phone line, it would come through, and it had a speaker, it would, the, whatever he was saying would come through that device and we would hear what he was saying. So he, 
And, and I, none of it made any sense, right? I mean, it wasn't like he was, you know, using, I, well, I don't think, using code names like truckers and trying to make, he was just repeating things over and over again like movie quotes, okay? And then he started saying, am I driving you loco? Am I driving you loco? That's when we called the police, okay? <laughs> I said, I said I can't. of course, the police said, um, this isn't exactly covered in the Ohio Revised Code. Like, I don't know, I don't know what to do. Like, actually, they said, what's the, the broadcast, like FCC? Like, I think you need to call them. Like, we don't know what's happening here, okay? But it wound up with us, like, this was early days of our, you know, like the modem on the computer. We had to unplug the modem. We had to unplug our answering machine, okay? All that sort of precipitated us. We really needed a home in 2001. But I, I tell you that story because it, it, I take all that time to say this. Okay? In, in a figurative way, in a figurative way, we're all kind of living in that apartment with the crazy neighbor. Because we're just sort of living our life and doing our thing, but there's all kinds of voices and messages that are coming in and spilling into our life, many of them uninvited. We just sort of hear them because we live. We just sort of hear them because we've got the radio on or the television's turned on or we're just, we have a workplace. or We, we just sort of hear this noise. And it, it's, it's everywhere. That it's, it's general. It can be general static to where there's so much noise just in the quantity of it that we have a really hard time zeroing in and focusing on what's most important in all of that. It could be noise and voices that come in and, and tell us what our priorities should be. This is what should be important to you. If you care about your life, your community, your neighborhood, your family, here's what you're going to do. Obviously, the voice of consumption is huge, right? The voice that, that we, we didn't invite in, but it tells us you need the new phone. You've got to have the new car. If you don't have those things, then you somehow are falling behind. Voices of gratification, self-determination, the voice that says you're the master of your world, you should get the call to shots. That noise is being pumped into our lives. We didn't ask for it, but we've just probably, for most of us, become accustomed to it. And before we move on in this series, before we move on with Adventum, we need to wrestle with this question. Amidst all the noise, how do we engage the spirit of truth in our lives? How do we get to a place where hearing the spirit's voice becomes normal for us? We know what to listen for. We can recognize it. It not only speaks to us, but we actually lend it an ear. We lend the Spirit our ears and we, we obey. How do we get there? Well, we're going to turn to another passage. It's Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bible and you want to go there, Matthew chapter 6. And I realize what I'm about to do. Um, in this passage, Jesus does not mention the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit isn't in every single verse that he's talking about. But this is a critical passage for understanding the kind of life that is spiritual, okay? It's, it's getting, it's, it, it, what is our responsibility for decluttering? If, if we have a car and, and 
God provides the fuel, and we allow the, the, the Lord, we allow Jesus to, to drive and give direction to the car, what, how do we just live in there without making a cluttered mess of it? And Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, commonly called the Sermon on the Mount, gives us a lot of instruction there. But there's a, a section in Matthew chapter 6 that's particularly poignant. So if, if you've got your Bible in Matthew 6, and again, if not, it's up here. But we're going to start at verse 19. We're going to start at verse 19. And we're going to look at some, just some key ideas when it comes to establishing the kind of life, establishing the kind of life where the clutter or the noise is sort of pushed aside so that we can actually connect with the Spirit of God. Look at verse 19 in chapter 6 of Matthew. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Skip down a couple verses to verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Okay? Jesus is, is in a section where he's talking about, about a way of life that, that first and foremost responds to God, that breaks away from the legalism of the, of the Jewish system that he was addressing, but goes deeper than just kind of external conformity into places in life where, where what does it mean to actually be sensitive to God in ways where, where my life is driven by him, where my life is moving by him. And in the midst of that, Jesus, he begins to talk about treasuring. What is it that we treasure? What is it that's, that's most important to us? And so it's, it's, it's not, I think what he's saying here is that there's, there's, you sort of, we have two choices. We have two choices about who's going to be master. We have two choices about who's going to be Lord. We can allow Christ to be Lord, or we can allow other things. And he goes right to something that we just have to wrestle with. That a lot of, for a lot of us, for a lot of us, we don't hear the Spirit because we are consumed with treasure. We're consumed with, with treasuring, with gathering, we're consumed with just a, just a bit more. We're consumed with, with having enough so that I can somehow feel secure enough, successful enough, safe enough, whatever, whatever words you would put in there. But, but there's, there's something that's true about it. And, and in this, it's true across the spectrum. It isn't just true if you've got a lot of money. It's also true for many of us who don't have much. That, that our heart is aligned with or tuned, our, our, our antenna is tuned to the voices that say, what do I need to do in order to get a bit more? What do I need to do in order to have more than I've got now, to get, put myself in a better situation, to accumulate? What will make me happy in this regard? That's, it's a question or a statement of treasuring. And so I, I think, I think that Jesus is telling us that we need to make a move and we have to intentionally move away from, if, we're, if our heart is going to be ready to hear from God, we have to move away from materialism. We have to divest, unclutter, simplify. It's a step. It's a very real thing. 
For some, it may be, I'm, I, there's something that I desire that I want, and I need to just sort of push aside that desire and move on in life without it. But in other ways, for some of us, it may be, there's actually some physical things that I possess that I need to move on from. I need to actually get them out of my life because I'm spending my time and energy protecting them. My life is consumed with having them and having them still. And as long as that's where my heart is, that's the master that I'm serving. And so all the, the, the noise that's coming through, that's all I'm hearing. I'm not, there, there's, no, there's no space sort of in the frequency, in the wavelength for me to hear the Spirit of God because my, my thoughts are about the stuff. Notice it's not, it's not the having, it's the treasuring. And I can't answer that for anyone except myself. I can't tell you what your treasure is. I can't tell you. I can't just look at you and say, you have nice things, you must. It doesn't work like that. There are people whose things are much, much less than my own and much more than me that have this syndrome, this sickness, this treasuring. But I, I know it's in my heart. I know it's there. I know I'm trying to hold on to, to, to the material and hear the voice of God. And it gets in the way. But let's keep looking. There's more to this. Verse 25, still in Matthew 6, verse 25. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, Don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Um, It's it's no coincidence. I mean, it's as if Jesus really is really smart and really knows a lot of things and can connect some great dots. Notice that anxiety is tied to this. (laughs) Don't be anxious. I work in 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, I work in education and I saw a study this week, 77% of high school students are reporting anxiety. 77%. Okay? This is insane. And we, kinda, we, we continue to apply the same sort of medication out that's causing the anxiety. No, you, you be happy with yourself. You worry about you. And it's as if it's snowballing and getting worse. Notice what's said here. Don't be anxious about your life. Don't be anxious. Now keep reading. Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Did you catch this? Pause for a sec. Did we catch this? Look at verse 30. But if God clothes, 
if God is a powerful phrase, right? Because all of life and faith spins on what we do with if God. If God determines my life, that's very different from if I. Do I believe that he does? If God provides for my needs, that's very different from I'm responsible for providing for my needs. If God is the pivot point, it's the pivot point of faith. You see, the answer to anxiety isn't necessarily self-help unless self, your definition of self-help is throwing yourself at, at God's feet and asking, if God, will you do this? Will you take care of me? So look at verse 31. Therefore, he says, if this is the case, if God takes care of even the, the birds and the lilies, therefore, don't, don't be anxious, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He uses Gentile as a placeholder here for those who don't recognize God. Listen, that's the static of the world. The static of the world says, if you don't take care of yourself, no one else is going to take care of you. That's not the voice of the Spirit. That's the voice of the world. If you don't get yours, no one's going to give you anything. But if God is real, if God knows our needs, isn't it possible that he's got this? Can we trust that? Does that have a, a very real impact on our anxiety? Relax. The second thing, slow down. Sabbath, I'm using it like a verb, right? But stop, rest, take a break. We get so consumed with the pursuits of this world. We get so consumed with treasuring. We get so consumed that we, we turn into anxious balls of just tension, frustration. But God, why aren't you? Why haven't you done this? We haven't stopped to rest and allow him to do it. We've been working frantically to try and do it for ourselves. We don't hear his voice because we never slow down and stop to trust him with our life. And it's us. I am guilty as charged. My pace is a way for me to mask my lack of faith. I stay busy enough that I don't have to stop and really rest and think through what God's asking of me. I don't have to hear the Spirit talk. I'm too busy telling everybody else what they need to be doing in order to accomplish my purposes and my mission. Oh, which God endorses, I'm sure, my purposes and my mission. So get on board. If we're going to hear the Spirit, We've got to hit the pause button. We've got to rest, relax, slow down. But there's just a little bit more. Verse 31, or 33, sorry. And this, we, if you've been around church in your life, you've probably heard this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. All the stuff we're worried about. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Verse 34, therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow. 
For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You catch this? The, the trouble of today, and he, it, Jesus, I think there's, he's being a little bit facetious, right? The trouble of my life with God is enough for me to worry about. The trouble of, am I listening? Am I seeking? Is enough for me to worry about. I don't need to take on all the additional worry. Am I connected to my, my God, my Savior, the Spirit? Am I hearing? Am I listening? Is enough. This is enough for us. If it's not enough for us, we're probably, our ears are probably tuned to the static, or we're trying to. We're probably taking in the false messages of hope that if I get enough, if I accomplish enough, if people think highly enough of me. So one more, just one more final thing on this. The path to spiritual listening is a path of seeking. It's not a, yes, we have to stop. Yes, we have to listen. Yes, we have to rest. But it's not rest for the purpose of just doing nothing. It's rest for the purpose of seeking God and his kingdom. We have to pursue it. I grew up in a church setting that was constantly beating me over the head about my priorities. But I'm sorry, but... People may have beat me up with it, but the reality is we have to actually prioritize the kingdom of God and hearing the voice of the Spirit in order for it to be heard. It's an amazing thing with God. There are times in life where he just, he just knocks down the door, right? Like he charges through all the stuff that's going on in our life and he bowls us over with something. But most often, in fact, significantly more often. In fact, 99.9% of life is not that. It's the day-to-day. It's the mundane and the routine. It's, it's the act of our will with throwing our trash in our life rather than putting it where it belongs and giving it to him. It's, it's hearing from him because we've gone to him and said, I want to hear your voice. Would you speak? It's, it's investing, as we talked about Wednesday night, it's investing in his word because he's already spoken there. We can trust it. It's engaging in community because the same spirit that we're asking to speak to us is speaking to our Christian brothers and sisters and he's speaking through them to us in our lives. And so we can't pull away from his word and his people and say that we're seeking him and seeking his kingdom first. We can't. It's nonsense. So if we're not hearing the Spirit, is our antenna situated to hear it? Or are we, have we got things plugged in in a way or tuned in in a way that we're hearing all the other messages? Perhaps we need to simplify. Perhaps that's where you are. I don't, I don't know for you. Perhaps you need to rest. Perhaps you need, we need to take a step and seek and prioritize and tell the world, these are my priorities. I need you to know that I'm seeking the kingdom of God. Throughout this series, we're asking people to take steps 
to take steps. And coming up, in a little over a month, there's a step around here that you can take. It's a step of being baptized. Right? It's a step of being baptized. We don't baptize people around here because we believe that that act washes away their sin. Christ washes away their sin. But we ask people to be baptized because it's a step of obedience that communicates to the world that Christ is my Lord. I'm seeking his kingdom. I want to be known in association with him. And so I'm going to ask you, if you have not been baptized, or you feel that, that, that you may have been baptized in ritual, but not in reality, in the state of your heart where Christ is Lord, I'm going to ask you to, to not just pray through that and not just think through that, because I, can, I promise you what the Lord's going to say to you. He's going to say, come get in the water. Would you take that step? Would you take that step with us? You're going to hear, come back. You're going to hear, we're going to have meetings to talk through it and discuss it. Nothing intimidating, but we just want to know that you're here. You can go on mylcc.info and fill out a card that says, I, I, I'm interested in being baptized, and we'll, we will get in touch with you. I promise about that. But we're also going to have meetings in person right here after the service in a couple weeks where you can just step in with us and say, I, I think I want to take this step. I think I want the world to know that I'm with Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, we're, um, we're thankful that you are. We're thankful that you've, you've not left us alone. We're thankful that the Spirit speaks. God, we want to we be dialed in to where you're speaking. And so um, I just ask that that today we would, we would take next steps, that we would we'd clear things out, that we'd, we'd walk back through and continue to repent, continue to surrender, that we'd push towards you to dwell with you, abide with you. And God, that, that today specifically, that we would, we would move towards you, seeking you in your kingdom, getting into, into spaces and, and places that, that we know that you're found and that we'd be obedient to you. God, I, I'm certain that we're here because we want to hear you speak and we believe that you do. So God, would you speak to us now and give us the, the power to engage our will to say yes to you. And we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.